Today, ladies and gentlemen, is Judgment Day. A day of love, a day of happiness, and a day of judgment. My name is Joe Fortunato. I am Chair One of Bantering the Blue Shirts. I am joined, as always, by Michael Murphy, Chair Two of Bantering the Blue Shirts. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing fine and dandy, bud. How are you? You know who's not doing fine and dandy? Who's that? Tony D'Angelo! Yeah, but, I don't understand that. Well, listen, there's lots of things that we have to talk about today, um, tonight. Right now, in your ear, depending on where you are. And I apologize if you hear noise. Um, my wife has some of her family over and they're watching The Bachelor, because apparently that is what people do on Mondays. They watch The Bachelor. Um and they're jumping upstairs, I think. Something Why are they jumping like for The Bachelor? I don't know. Because Kaylin is jumping, perhaps? I'm not sure. So I'm going to try to mute that out. Um, today is March 11th. There are 14 games left in the regular season, I believe. Yeah, we're in and the last month now. The uh, New York Rangers are not tanking the way that they should be tanking, which is very sad. They continue to rack up points, um, useless points, may I add. They continue to win games. They came back and they beat the Devils from a 2-0 deficit. Uh, Those would have been very good points to lose. And, Mike, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. The Rangers are, as of this podcasting, 23rd in the NHL, which would put them in pretty, I think they were in eighth last year, eighth from the bottom in terms of lottery um, projections, and they lost the pick last year. They moved down to ninth overall. Chicago and Edmonton are just one point behind the Rangers, and the Rangers could fall to one, two, three, four, five, sixth if they uh, lose three points to Vancouver, but uh, hoof. I don't know. I don't know what my. I've tried to think about what I expected out of this season, especially. Do you really expect them to truly tank, though? Well, no. It's never going to happen. Especially at this point in the year, though, I kind of expected more of like, all right, we're just going to see what the kids you know, have to say and, and have to bring up. And some of the things that I did not expect was Tony D'Angelo, uh, actually not Tony D'Angelo, sorry, Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider having career years, which obviously doesn't help. Henrik Lundqvist and Georgiev have just been, like Georgiev has exceeded every expectation I think I had for him at the beginning of the year, and they were already pretty high. So the Rangers have kind of gotten in their own way in a lot of respects when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the draft tanking, but... David Quinn was talking about how this team needed to learn to win and that these young kids had to learn to win. And I'm curious if you think there's any legitimate stock in that statement. I wrote something about this um, for the banter. and On the banter! Blue shirt banter! There's something to be said about, you know, how important it is to try to, to play to win even when, you know, everything says the more games you lose the higher your draft pick's likely going to be, just in terms of probability for the ping-pong balls. And that is that is legitimate, but I feel like it's, it's very hard for this team, especially in this market, to purposefully tank. I, it was never going to happen, and I feel like there is, there is something to be said about the argument to you play to win the games, um, you know, as, as the old saying goes. And... You know, you, you play to win, and part of that, I think, is an important part of development. And that's a big factor here with all the kids in lineup. And it's a shame, you know, that we've seen the the Hayek injury happen, uh, especially because 
he picked up his first goal and you know he was really looking fun and promising and i was on a tsn radio today um talking about the rangers for mike sounded so beautiful if you haven't listened it was low down with low tide or something low tide yeah the low down with low tide and uh, low down with low tide they asked about hayek and um was he an edmonton guy well i think he was you know in his, his canadian hockey league you know he came up through there but he was someone they said they had their eyes on in edmonton so um it's no, I meant Low Tide, or whatever the guy's name is. Yes, was. yeah, he writes Because they yeah, were talking Ed- about Ryan Spooner at one point when I was trying to figure out where you were on the, the recording, and yeah. I was like, oh, this is a very awkward conversation right Well, now. yeah, it's the Edmonton radio show. He writes for the Edmonton Athletic. Um, oh, well, there you so, go. Yeah, it's it's been... It's very interesting, to, especially when you look at guys like Howden, right, and guys like Heedle, and the kids who are in the lineup, and this idea of you want to play to win. Because purposefully losing or purposely tanking could potentially spoil their development at, at, you know, at some level. And these are things that we can't really measure, right? It just kind of, these are just kind of philosophy things as opposed to things that we can point to and, you know, say, oh, there's, there's math behind this and therefore science behind this. You know, there's a right way to play in terms of trying to, you know, generate, control the shot share and things like all of that makes common sense. But it sounds like common sense to tank. The problem is it's it also goes against a lot of common sense because you, this is a business at the end of the day. And it's very hard to feel like the Rangers with how much pride they take in you know, their image and the culture of the team to be like, yeah, we're going to tank. And when you look back at it, Joe, there's not that many teams in the NHL that have really purposefully just, you know, tried to dive to the bottom of the standings. I mean, we saw it recently with Buffalo, um, and arguably we've seen it in the past with Pittsburgh, and I think like the, before the Lemieux draft and things like that. I mean, it's happened. It's not that it hasn't happened, just that it's heavily frowned upon, and that's why the lottery system is in place to discourage it. Um, with all that being said, I really wouldn't mind uh, if, if that was the, the MO of this Rangers team, if they would just stop picking up these goddamn worthless points and overtime and shootout losses it's killing them yeah we keep talking about the buy-in to david quinn right and that's exactly what you're seeing the rangers came all the way back from two nothing down against the devils um they got their teeth kicked in a couple of weeks ago against washington but like played them tough they took tampa bay to the edge it's just a it's such a they're not really built to and listen nobody's asking them to lose intentionally at least nobody logically um i thought we might have seen some more questionable decisions in terms of and maybe that's part of this too but seeing a lot more kids and the rangers didn't really bring back a lot of prospects this year during the sell-off and i think that kind of makes it an issue too because if they got maybe some guys that um we were looking at like a nick patan say or somebody in the ahl who's kind of close to the nhl but maybe didn't have a spot a lot like or even a brendan lemieux i expected the rangers to put them into prominent roles just to get an idea of of what they were dealing with and figuring out what you have and that by proxy would immediately lead to some form of tanking i don't think anybody is uh, justifying losing on purpose I don't think there's any benefit to losing on purpose. I don't think losing creates a bad culture, but I think attempting not to win creates a bad culture. And, and there's a pretty enormous difference between the two, at least yeah, on that is. front. There is a big but difference there. David Quinn is forcing a buy-in. 
And at any turn that he thinks that somebody's not coming with their all, or they're not giving effort, or they're not practicing as though this is a Stanley Cup contending team, they found themselves in the press box. And that's impacted everybody from Kevin Shattenkirk as of a couple of days ago to Tony D'Angelo right now, although we'll get into both of those more in but a minute. I feel like, honestly, I want to raise the point with, the, with D'Angelo's setting, despite how well he's played, to me, that feels closer to intentionally tanking than really anything else we've seen this season because the justification behind it and i know you said you just said you want to touch on it later but to me i feel like it's relevant no we can we can just touch it now we're just touching it the justification there is top to bottom some touching (laughs) some some touching we're just gently touching we're just caressing Um, kind of looking over your shoulder yeah why not but the justification here is you have d'angelo coming into the lineup because the rangers have seven good defensemen and Clayson hasn't played in a while. And so it's the, that's the logic. Is D'Angelo is like, yeah, I accept that this is the scenario, this is the situation. I happen to be the one who drew the short straw here, despite the fact that you know he had an outstanding February, and he has two points in five games well, there, this month. Well, there was a, a thing. I don't know if you missed it because it came out, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. half an hour ago. David Quinn said there was something that occurred. Oh well, yeah. I he that. didn't. He didn't insinuate what it was. He didn't make it seem like it was a big deal. I believe he used the word "small," but there was something that happened, and I guess he didn't say it was an off the ice thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, but I mean, at this point, that has to be the insinuation, right? That there was something going uh, on because why words, else is he sitting? Yeah. There was an excuse for it to be D'Angelo, in other words. Right, and, and that's I think that was kind of the... And listen, you're bringing up a very good point, I think, too, which is the, quote, intentional, you know, tanking that you will say is really the Rangers being able to make decisions like this. Sitting Filippito because of an effort issue. Sitting Anthony D'Angelo because of off-ice issues, uh, these maturity issues. Um, sitting a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk. Sitting a guy like Buchnevich. Whenever these things have happened. And really, almost everybody's gotten a turn. Shit, Chris Kreider was on the fourth line the other night against the Devils. Or at least that's where he started the game. So... There is something to be said for the New York Rangers being willing to make poor personnel decisions that you and I in any other context would look at and say, well, what the fuck are they thinking? Where in this case, it's Quinn trying to create this total buy-in mentality. And you and I scratched our head a lot at the beginning of the year. And you and I kind of pounded our fists on the table and asked a lot of questions. But you know what? I I can't deny... That as of today, March 11th, and if you're listening to this right away, it's March 11th, but more uh, more than likely we're talking about March 12th. Sorry, Mike wrote a little sexy note to me in the chat, and I had to read That's it. That's right. Uh, it was. It's just a note about his penis. Um, wow. I would say that the New York Rangers absolutely, like, th- this is their form of tanking, but it's worked. Because the Rangers have bought in, top to bottom. And everybody who has been benched, and this was something we talked about from the beginning, mm-hmm. everybody who has been benched has been told why, what they need to do, and look, credit where credit's due. I would say Pavel Buchnevich is playing the best hockey of his career. I would say Tony D'Angelo is playing the best hockey of his career. You could yeah, easily make the same statement for you know Jimmy Vesey. And then even going away from those guys who kind of needed help taking the next step, the Zabanajads, the Criers, the Hazes of the world when he was here. You have to give Quinn credit there. 
So sure, you know, question the fact that D'Angelo's sitting. Um, another quote just came out where somebody asked if D'Angelo will understand the message or understands the message when he gets scratched. And Quinn said, I'll let you know in about three weeks. And it really does seem like he's trying to continue to present to D'Angelo that this is not a privilege or this is a privilege. This is not a right. And even though he's been one of the best defensemen on the New York Rangers this year and could certainly be in the discussion for the best defenseman on the Rangers this year. And I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say. No, and I think that not. says a lot more about the defense than it does about D'Angelo. But D'Angelo has been very good, no questions asked, that David Quinn is getting the buy-in one way or another. So speaking of the buy-in, or did you have another, did you have a comment on that? Or No, I, I, I definitely co-sign on on that that's right, take, bitch. It, Co-sign um, right on that line. If I default that loan, they're coming to you. That's that's a lot of rude language you're using for me. Um, it's it's good to, it's good to see that Quinn is putting such a priority on things that happen to me in practice and in terms of stuff that happens off the ice because you know there are especially with someone like D'Angelo, like we can't live in a world where we pretend that his behavior and attitude off the ice doesn't impact his value and role to the team. Um, and so I'm glad that Quinn is, has chosen to take that stance and it does fit into his whole, you know, his, like I always say, like his first commandment of David Quinn hockey is the first one is accountability. Right. And then he wants you to, you know, skate hard every shift and not, not look lazy on the transition game, but accountability is something he's all about. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting because, Without me knowing that little nugget that came out just before the show, you know, it, to me it just seemed like it was just kind of a a random choice. Like you know, it was a spin the bottle, but you lose the the bottle spin in terms of D'Angelo sitting. And who but are you making that, out with on the other end of the bottle? Yeah, I mean, is it you? Am I making out with you? Sure. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I, th- I thought you had a continued point, but I see that you've muted yourself. Not really. I mean, um, you made this uh, inappropriate again. Well, you were the one who was talking about spinning a bottle without a cap. You mentioned so, penises before that, though. Well, you wrote me the note about your penis, not penises in general. Just I one didn't say sing- that. I, I just penis. said what we should talk about on the show. Um, well, I wrote some penis innuendo on that. Uh, speaking of buy-ins, Kevin Shattenkirk benched couple of days ago larry brooks who loves for whatever reason dropping these bombshell stories during a game he likes to stir the pot he, well you know and from i guess from a social media perspective now that i'm thinking about it it is kind of intelligent because you know everybody's on social media for the game so it'll get the shit shared out of it which ultimately yeah. is exactly what ends up happening so props to you larry or whoever came up with that social media strategy um that the that kevin Shankirk is playing for his new york rangers life so you read the opening paragraph of that and you're like okay well the rangers are going to explore trades and hey we kind of thought that that might happen anyway and then you get a little bit further michael and uh, you see that they're talking about potentially buying out Kevin Shattenkirk. And I cannot think of a more insane idea than looking at this defense and saying, okay, we need to get rid of someone. Guess we're buying out Kevin Shattenkirk. There is no logic behind that whatsoever. If you want to buy somebody out, you buy out Mark Stahl or you buy out Brendan Smith. If you don't want to buy anybody out, you trade Neil Pionk this summer when his value is through the roof. You try to take a deal for Brendan Smith, maybe eat a little salary. Maybe you trade Chattenkirk on a 50 cents on the dollar deal, which is ultimately what it would end up being. But you don't buy him out. That's insane. 
Yeah, there's there's very to me if 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 you all things considered, so you ask yourself like what what are the benefits of of buying at Shattenkirk? And really, it's is this contract hindering the team? And the bottom line is the team is not currently in a place where his contract hurts the team, especially because he's still an effective top four defenseman. And to suggest otherwise is like it's it's idiocy. It's it's foolhardy to try to build an argument that he's not good. His numbers, his counting stats aren't good, but there is something to that. He's been profoundly unlucky this season. I think is like even strength shooting. Uh, Tom wrote a great article for the banter about it. Is is like hovering around like one or two percent this season. Like one goal on eighty shots, and then you look at just his shot share when he's on the ice at even strength the rangers have the puck more think of how long shattenkirk had to watch neil pionk on the top power play unit and now you know the role he's in now and he's been playing a lot with uh with brady shea lately and you know he there are times when he he doesn't look like you know you you'd like to see stronger defensive game from him but he was never a goddamn shutdown defenseman he was brought in here to be an offensive defenseman, which is all he's ever been, who plays solid five-on-five hockey. But you can't treat him like he's your first pair all-situation defender. You can't. And the numbers aren't there in large part due to the fact that he hasn't been given that opportunity. And that's on David Quinn. That's on the Rangers. That's not on Kevin Shattenkirk. I, I, the, the Brooks article to me was very... Like, I remember reading it, you know, while the game was on and just kind of shaking my head and saying to myself, like, is this serious? Like, for one well, thing, the question he, has becomes, tra- he has to have trade value still. He has to is have he value in the know? beyond a buyout. Is Brooks in the know or is he speculating? And, and may, again, we've discussed this at length on the podcast. There is no information that comes to the New York media, even Larry Brooks that the Rangers either don't know about or don't want out there. So is that like the team's wake-up call for Shattenkirk through the media, which is not exactly how I would go about things. No, it's But not. you're right. There has to be some trade value. You're telling me nobody would take two years of Shattenkirk at that contract, even at what everybody... I, I really... I, I don't understand... Even if the Rangers the, held on to 25% of his, of his cap hit. But his he, even, I don't understand the hate for Kevin Shattenkirk. Everybody mocked that deal when he signed it. And that deal should have been celebrated from top to bottom. It's Kevin Shattenkirk, it was absolutely a sweetheart deal. And the people, and I'm not even talking about like Ranger fans, I'm talking about like talking heads that should know better that looked at that and went, oh shit, that's a lot of money. And nothing pissed me off more than Shattenkirk's bullshit luck the past two years that have led those thoughts to have some credence. It irks the shit out of me. Because Kevin Shattenkirk has been everything and more that you could even ask for for the New York Rangers. And has he been the best defenseman in the world this year? No. He's been unlucky, like Mike said. He got injured. There's been some bullshit. The Rangers are a tire fire from the get-go. But that man can play hockey. And so, I, I really do feel, and I know this might be seen by some folks as like, oh, you're just a Shattenkirk fan or a Shattenkirk apologist. But he played with a fucking torn meniscus for how long last season? And was good. And still was really good. Like, not... He didn't burn the world down good, but he played with a torn meniscus, and he was still an effective defenseman in his role. Yeah, how... The Rangers medical staff has not gotten good looks of late. 
Yeah, a couple, yeah. There was something else that I have to now find. This is terrible podcasting, but I'm going to find it. Um, Another, is it Jesper Fast? Another player is playing injured, or like played injured, and I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up, but yeah, there was another, just another black mark on the, you know, like, how do you let him play? How do you let him play? I don't, for the love of me, I don't understand. And it, it's probably something that has impacted him to this point as well. But look, if the New York Rangers buy out Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to... Like, that, that's such a horrific decision from the standpoint of asset management that it would make me... This is how dumb it would be. It would make me very nervous about the people in control of this rebuild. That's how dumb it would be. That A, he's even the person that you would want to get rid of, and B, that you wouldn't reach around and see what value is out there. Because there, like like Mike said, there needs to be something. I'm not saying you're going to get a first-round pick for the guy, especially not at this point, but you're going to get something. This is not somebody that you just throw away for pay. Like, you pay him not to play hockey. That is insane. I am fired up about that stupidity. That is ridiculous. Okay, here we go. So, going off the latest from Brooks, it's from uh, Connor Shugren, a uh, friend of the site, actually. Mark Stahl, who as of Saturday, recuperating from the flu, rejoined the team for practice. So, to Connor Brickley, that's not it. Oh, Jesper Foss, who has rarely practiced the past two months as he deals with an upper body injury. Why the fuck is he playing? What does it matter? The Rangers are not going to the playoffs. It behooves you to have him not play. Can you think of any reason why he should be in the lineup? Any reason at all? You tell me. This is open for Mike. It's open for everybody. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know how you sit there and you say, yeah, it's fine if he plays. And, and risk him for further injury. Furthermore, the New York Rangers may very well look into trading Fost over the summer. And I think that's something that a discussion that you have to have. I don't think it's a priority. I certainly don't think it's something that the Rangers need to go out of their way to do. But it's just another of those things that really makes you sit there and go, well, what, what, what is the benefit of this? What is the purpose of that decision? It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And it's again just another. If that if that group of people decide, oh, Kevin Shattenkirk is the one that a I need to buy out, but b he like or that I need to get rid of, and I have to do it via a buyout. I don't even know what to say. Again, it, it, this information, this news, these these breaking reports or whatever, do not make their way to Larry Brooks or especially anyone else. Because Larry Brooks is the most connected beat reporter that the New York Rangers have. But that does not get out there without the New York Rangers knowing about it. So maybe that's their way of trying to give him a wake-up call. I don't know. Mike, I went on the rant without you. It's, uh, it's uh, No, I feel I, you. I crossed a lot of paths. Oh, by the way, Jesper Faust was the one. Mike had to step away for a minute. Uh, Faust was the one who's playing with, an, he's playing with uh, an injured body. An upper body issue for two months. Did you just say an injured body? Yeah, an injured body. He's got an injured body. Um, final topic. We're going to keep the flagship show a little short this week because we have a trillion questions for the Q and A show. Um, Lieber Hayek starts off plays okay in the NHL. We talked about it a little bit last week. A little bit more structure in the NHL. Scores his first NHL goal, a game winner. Oh no, it tied the game on a sweet snipe from the high slot. 
And then he separates his shoulder, and while his prognosis is better than I think they originally thought as of this afternoon, he is probably not coming back the rest of the year. Michael, talk about how sad that is for Lieber Hayek. It's just such a bummer. He, you know, there's a lot of mixed expectations for Libor based on his production in the AHL and, you know, the role he played. He played so much on the penalty kill there. And, you know, he played with largely with Chris Briegris and Brandon Crawley. And then, you know, to see him, he just looked, he just looked so comfortable at the NHL level, Joe. He looked really solid. And he scores that first goal and then... The big hit he receives in separated shoulder, and it just like it makes it very hard to know what they have yet, and that's a shame because it would be really good to get a better idea of what they have, and also just to give another young kid those NHL minutes. And you talk about confidence. Lieber Hayek has not had the best year in the AHL. He admitted it. Everybody admitted it. Um, the Rangers kind of went on a PR tear with him in the beginning of the year when he first kind of started getting this criticism and, you know, this questioning. And it really turned into, like, when the Rangers do something like that, it almost backfires the original intention because Hayek probably wants nothing more than his struggles to not be under a spotlight, than for him not to be under all this attention from just go out and play his game. And listen, he would not be the first, second, third, or fourth young defenseman to go from juniors to the AHL and struggle. So that's a point that we need to make. That's a point that we've continuously made. It's something that I think is critically important to discuss when you're discussing about Ch- uh, Hayek. But by the same token, it is very simple. And like Mike said on the TNA podcast or TSN podcast today, like even players who don't turn into superstar defensemen, we're talking about replacement level defensemen in the NHL, depth defensemen in the NHL. Even they put up points in the NHL. And Hayek had five assists and no goals in like 50-something games. So... Part of the reason why I think he got called up was, A, the Rangers wanted to take a look at him and kind of control things a little bit. I believe the organization has an idea of just how terrible the developmental side of things in Hartford is because of how much of a tire fire it is. But you finally get this opportunity for Hayek to get some confidence. And he played well, three NHL games. He played fine. There were really no... There was no blemish on on his resume. He looked okay. He didn't seem completely out of place. And Mike, correct me if I'm overstating things or oversimplifying things. Scores a goal, plays a really good game against the Devils, and, and he separates his shoulder, and he's going to be out likely the rest of the year. So it is unfortunate because, again, the Rangers called up Lindgren. That didn't really work out. He hasn't been doing incredible things in Hartford one way or another. Um, Hayek was the other big grab from last year. We can get into Brett Howden all we want. Um, again, not the best first season. The Rangers are probably looking for some positive off that trade because Howden kind of brought all the positive energy with him when he first came up at the beginning of this year, and, and things have sort of tailed off from there. But boy, oh boy, when the Rangers pat themselves on the back, when the New York Rangers sit there and they say, boom, we fucking nailed this one. They did it with Ryan Gropp. They did it with Lieber Hayek. There's just... It never seems to work out the way that they want it to. And it's it's sad because the yeah, Rangers... Yeah, but you can't... This one, I think, is a different case. This is. A this, I, I would agree together, that this yeah. is a different case. Um, It's just a... It's a... It's a very... It's like they have the... Like, don't say anything about any prospects. That's what it comes down to. Be happy you got them, whatever, and that's the end of it. Um, speaking of the defense, though, Hayek is out now. The Rangers are still rolling seven defensemen. So I'm not totally sure 
tonight D'Angelo sits for Clayson to get back in. But we have kind of talked about the Neil Pionk, you know, Tony D'Angelo dilemma. I don't think it's a question. I perused the questions very quickly before. Um, Mike, do you think Pionk has played his way onto the team next year? Do you think he's going to be on the team next year simply because he seems to be a David Quinn favorite? Or do you think that we've we've kind of seen him get outplayed by almost everybody at this point? Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot, especially with D'Angelo's. I think about you a lot, Hugging too, buddy. You, um, you, walking on the beach with you. I think about sharing a, a rib with you and meeting in the middle. Um, the thing with the thing with Pionk is that he's... We all know what he is and what he isn't at this point. And the question then becomes, how much hope is there for him to become a more well-rounded defenseman at the NHL level? And I feel like that hope is much higher with someone like D'Angelo. I just don't think Pionk has those skills. Like, from what we've seen, and this is nothing really... Like, this isn't to try and drag his name through the mud, but to me, he's a third-pairing specialist for the second power play unit. Like, and you know what? You need those guys. Those guys can be successful in each other's. Those guys have value. Those guys can have great careers. The problem is trying to make him something he's not and treating him like he's a... You know, this special prospect. First-pairing defenseman. Yeah, treating him like he's something that he isn't. I mean, you know, let's be honest here, Joe. Pionk is 23. It's the same age as D'Angelo. And, you know, they have very different backgrounds in terms of how they got to this team. But this season we've seen Pionk get exceedingly more leash in terms of what he's been able to do on the ice uh, than D'Angelo, especially when it comes to opportunity. And I feel like that's something we have to bring up again and again because you can't help but compare these two guys. I mean, they're both right-handed defensemen with offensive upside. The problem is when we look at the underlying numbers for D'Angelo, I mean, Corey Schneider's numbers on zone exits and entries, you know, looking at, uh, I think this was since last week's show, uh, CJ Totoro had, you know, a couple of tweets about it because he does the viz for them. is one of the best transition defenseman in the NHL. Like, hands down, he's truly elite at it. He's just, I, I believe he was the best. Yeah, he, I believe he might be the, the single the best, best. on the same level of, like, Connor McDavid. And that, in and of itself, is just bonkers to consider. That he's that good at that. And that he and, wasn't playing. And then he's not playing. And then he's scratched for... Something and you know, like, and I get that. And like I said earlier, it's important to keep players accountable for stuff that happens on the practice rink or maybe in the locker room, etc., etc. But I'm talking big picture here. How many opportunities did Pionk get this season that D'Angelo didn't get? And I feel like a lot. Yeah, it it became a Pionk or D'Angelo fight, and it never needed to be, and it never should have been, and it It was. And now you can't not compare the two of them. Because they're organically married to one another in this, like, petri dish of, well, it has to be one or the other. 
And Especially I don't know because what the Rangers were invested in D'Angelo because of the trade. Pianca's found money. He's an undrafted right. There's no nothing for P- Petri dish. By the way, I was pretty proud of that one. That's yeah, pretty good. It didn't really make sense in the context, but I thought about it. And I'm I just still wanted proud to of say you. It. You're using big um, science words. I, I am. I read a science book one time at school and talked about petri dishes. Um, I, they are connected in that regard, but even more so, the entire purpose of this season was to figure out answers about both of them. And and again, that is not a new discussion. We've had that multiple times. Here's what we have found out. Anthony D'Angelo deserves to be on the team next year and has been one of the team's best defensemen. Neil Pionk has been one of the team's worst defensemen. And I'm not, again, this is not about shitting on Neil Pionk or insinuating that there's not some upside there. But the other thing you need to remember, Neil Pionk was an undrafted free agent out of college. And that's not a Jimmy Vesey or Kevin Hayes, you know, situation. Remember that. There's a big difference between players who are drafted and players who go through college and then they get signed by NHL teams because they're not drafted. And Pionk is the latter. He's 23 years old. He will be 24 this summer. That's not a, an indictment on like, oh, he's too old. I, I hate that fucking narrative that pisses me off. But the reality of the situation is Neil Pionk is most likely what Neil Pionk is. He is exactly yeah. this year what he was last year. He's taken no step forward. In, if anything, he's kind of taken a step backwards. And that's because last year's 28 games were like the perfect 28 games for yeah, him. Yeah, it was a great little amuse-bouge of, uh, of what he could do. It was just so, this little, little taste of what he can do. And this season playing a larger role, what we discovered is that that's what he is. And like I said before, that doesn't mean he's not an NHL-level defenseman. What it does mean uh, he is might that not he's be an NHL level defenseman. Well, to me, like if he is an NHL level defenseman, he's an offensive zone specialist who you want on the second. To- yeah, totally pair. one way. Yeah, and you play him on your third pair and you shelter the shit out of him because you have to. We know what his zone entry defense numbers look like. They're terrible. We know what his shot share numbers look like. They're terrible. Like that's what he is. And you know what? Honestly, it's okay. But you have to make decisions that like protect him from being you know smoked all the time in the defensive zone and you have to give him the opportunity to you know put those skills on display without making him too vulnerable to mistakes the fact that we saw Pionk with with Mark Stahl for the first half of the season as the shutdown pair was one of the biggest red flags to me about Quinn I was just was he just trying to bring out that side of his game was he trying to test him like in this this trial by fire thing I mean this like insane like ancient trial yeah just like running the gauntlet you know this crucible of of what he's capable or not capable of whatever whatever you want to go with there but it's what we learned is what we already knew with Pionk and the thing with D'Angelo is we see these underlying numbers and we we you know we've seen the production and you know it goes beyond his point streak when you watch him play you recognize that he's good for a player like him to look as good as he's looked on a defense like this and on a team like this post the trade deadline with Zuccarello and Hayes out of the lineup. He's a, he's a legitimately a special young defenseman in this league. It's just going to take a lot of work, I think, to bring out and to make sure you like really cultivate that skill and get him to be the you know a, a really well-rounded professional athlete that doesn't get distracted by off-the-ice crap. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to announce something very important. The best listeners that we have... Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, 
Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B, Chris Habibi, Chris O'Connor, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Panerwin2020, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all for donating. Those of you who have given us your address, you've gotten stickers. Mike, I got my stickers, by the way, and that nice little oh. note that you drew for me, the little love letter. I think I got them on Saturday. I why think, didn't you and tell I meant, me I meant to tell you. What's wrong I, with you? I forgot. I didn't. I forgot. I'm sorry. You um, wonder why I don't. And they're wonderful. And then there was also something else in there that it was unsolicited. Um, starts with a D and ends in ick pick. Um, but it was nice. <laughs> it was very nice. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Like I said, we will be back tomorrow with a big Q and A off the post. Yeah, show. we kept the the flagship short because sort of short. It was still thirty. So minutes. many questions that we're looking so, forward to. Answering. So many questions. Thanks. For Love listening, you all. Folks. Goodbye. Johnny Moore's music. Bang. <laughs>